soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where i try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else i feel like talking about i'm your host Britt cannon and this week we're talking about leaning into ease um i was talking to a friend the other night and she was talking about her own queerness and that journey and how she's a little bit of a late bloomer as am i and how you know sometimes she'll like ponder like could I have figured this out sooner because with queerness especially with us late bloomers like there's obviously a lot of signs like there's obviously a lot of stuff that you go through where you know but you don't know it's like this lack of acceptance keeps you out of touch with your authenticity and you just like can't get there even though the signs are there I'm not sure if I have talked about this on the show before, but I like my first few kisses were with girls. Like there were moments in my life where I had made out with more girls than boys and and or like just my attraction or the kind of porn I watched. Like it was just like very obvious that I had this attraction. But I mean, the thing with bisexuality is that attraction to different genders feels differently. And there's also a lot of compulsory heterosexuality that you kind of have to overcome to embody your truth. But there's also like, you know, you're more oppressed if you're visibly queer and like, and your family might not be chill with meeting a partner who's not like, the op quote unquote opposite gender of you or whatever. So there's like just like a lot of baggage that needs to be unpacked. There's like understanding if your parents are homophobic that like you're going to have to deal with that and just uh, but this is all subconscious. Like it's not always stuff that's happening um externally or like anything you're aware of. It's like all subconscious and so you can both know and not know at the same time. Like every single one of my <laughs> cis male partners throughout life had a fear and expressed a fear to me that I was going to leave them for a woman one day. And at the time, I just kind of like, I didn't think that much about it, but it's like (laughs) knowing what I know now, like partners of of fully heterosexual women um, type people don't, don't, don't have that insecurity. So (laughs) anyway, it's like you sometimes wonder, could I have figured this out sooner? Like, the signs were there, why did it take me so long or whatever? And you come to the conclusion like, no, I couldn't have. Like this was the thing I had to process one little bite at a time and I just couldn't take bigger bites than I was taking. I couldn't them. I couldn't swallow them faster than I was chewing them. You know what I mean? Like it just, it takes as long as it takes. And once you get to the other side of it, if you're, if you're doing if you're following your intuition, if you're doing your steps, if you're doing your healing, like it can open up this awareness of like, oh, everything has worked out how it was supposed to, when it was supposed to. And my next step in thinking is that like, if everything has always worked out correctly for me, then maybe everything always will. And maybe I can like surrender to the faith in the universe that they have my back, that they're only putting me in situations that are helping me grow or heal or um, overcome or whatever. And that really helps with the resistance. If you want to hear more about that, you can listen to my divine timing episodes or the trust the timing of your life episode, which is more recent. I get a little bit more deeply into that, but (laughs) it makes me think like when I think about divine timing, I also think about ease. I heard this spiritual teacher, I can't remember which one because I've definitely <laughs> fallen in and out of love with a lot of them. And like, you know, you you get really into one for a while and then you kind of overcome them or they say something fucked up politically or whatever, and then you got to let it go. But, um, but this one of them that I was into was talking about like, sometimes it's hard to give something up. I think it was in the context of like a bad relationship. And it was like, sometimes you like, basically you can't give up something until you're ready. And sometimes it's so hard because you're just not ready. And that's controversial. You know what I mean? Like if if everyone should leave a bad relationship, if you're in a bad relationship, like as soon as you can, as soon as you figure it out. But, um, and I know that sometimes the seed 
of like, you could stay, you could figure it out, you know, it's hard, so it's not right or whatever. I know that can be problematic when you're trying to like muster up the courage to leave, but, but there is something to that in the sense that like, you can't make something happen before the correct time or like before you're fully ready. And the work that can be like, you can do work in between where you are and want where you want to be that can get you closer to that, that will, when the time comes for you to actually take that leap, it will feel really easy. And, and there's also a lot of releasing that has to go into ease. Like, I mean, let's just like start from my favorite place to start and end and visit along the way, which is that this is all capitalism's fault. Like we have been conditioned to believe that our lives should be hard. I mean, look at the way people describe things that take commitment and a certain level of discipline and like vulnerability and authenticity. Like marriage is work, you know, work shouldn't be fun. Life isn't always a holiday. Like you aren't special. Of course, life isn't fair. You know, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Like just we're taught these, these mantras about how hard life is and, and life is hard. I'm not arguing that it's hard. Like it is absolutely difficult, but not everything has to be this grueling, like suffering soaked, uh, hell pit like (laughs) there are moments that feel like that but there are also moments of incredible joy or gratitude or abundance or ease you know and there's always like there's so many ways to make things easier lately because my partner and I are in like a decent financial situation and this is literally the first time in my whole life that I'm not you know (laughs) basically eating one meal a day and like scraping by like I used to walk home from work two hours walk there and back because I couldn't afford two dollars and 75 cents for the train like poor poor like I would drink a pot of coffee and call it breakfast lunch and and like dessert you know, I was not doing well. And so to be like in a place where it's not like that, where I can eat three meals a day, you know, where I'm not worried. And this is where the ease comes in, where when I have a problem, I can just buy what I need. Hole in my pants, I can buy new pants. Like shoes are uncomfortable, I can buy insoles. Uh, we had a crazy roach infestation for a while that our super was doing nothing about call our own damn exterminator. Like it's just a game changer to be able to take care of things in that way. I will never, ever, 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 ever take it for granted (laughs) because I lived my whole life not being able to take care of things, right? It's a big deal to me. And there is a, there is an ease there, right? There's an overcoming of like executive dysfunctioning. There's a privilege in like being in an okay place financially. There's, um, there's just like loving myself enough to want my life to be beautiful. But there was so much time in my life where I couldn't do that. I couldn't even pick up a sock on the floor that had been there for like six months because I was too depressed. You know, like it was making me miserable looking at the sock. (laughs) I was upset the sock was on the floor. I would sit and beat myself up for months on end about why I was so disgusting and couldn't pick up the sock. Uh, but I couldn't do it. (laughs) And, and when you've been in that space, like you understand how hard and heavy life can be like that, that small of a task can seem insurmountable, but that's just another way, um, that, I don't know. It just like shines a real light. And I have so much gratitude when I think about, I can just pick up the sock now. You know, I can just like pick it up and put it in the hamper. And if I leave it for a day, I don't beat myself up for it. Cause I know pretty soon I'm going to get sick of looking at that fucking sock on the floor and I'm going to pick it up and put it where it belongs. And there's an ease there. And how I got there, like, I know this is such a small thing, but how I got there was like teeny, tiny little changes, just like going towards the ease you know, just like drifting towards what's easy and, and appreciating it when it was and realizing like, (laughs) I mean, this reminds me of, 
Um, I have an episode a while back that was like what a good relationship looks like. And I think there was one called fake friends as well around that same time where I talk about like basically good versus bad relationships. And one of the indicators of whether a relationship is good or bad is how easy it is. Like it seems crazy how simple that is, but it's honestly, honestly, 100% foolproof. (laughs) And this is what, this is the conditioning. The conditioning tells us like the best relationships, like the lifelong love of your life, like passion of your life, uh, cosmic star cross, blah, blah, blah. It's gotta be hard. You gotta fight all the time. You gotta almost hate each other. You gotta put each other through hell, like all the running and chasing and all that bullshit. And, and that is the purest, truest love. Cause when you finally get it, like, you know, it's worth the wait or whatever, (laughs) but, and it's true with friendships too. It's like, we're conditioned to believe our friendships should be like mean girls where we like gossip about each other all the time, where there's like all this betrayal and, and no loyalty. And just like, that's what it is to be, especially a woman or someone who's conditioned or like, you know, uh, assigned female and then conditioned as such, uh, that's how it's supposed to go for us. Like you're supposed to be competitive and like have frenemies and not fully friends. And so we end up in these relationships, especially if you have a like relational or attachment trauma, we find ourselves in these relationships where again, there's running and chasing, there's like emotional abuse, there's manipulation, there's a lot of betrayal. You don't have the loyalty you need. And there's also not an ease because you're not attracted to people based on like, how compatible are we? How well do our personalities mesh? Do we have interests in common? It's more like proximity and, and you're like sort of attracted to people who are going to bring what you're looking for to you even if you're not someone who's into gossip or, or those relationships like drive you crazy and make you sick, there's still a sort of acceptance of the bullshit because you're like, this is how it should be. And I shouldn't even, or like, I don't even know to expect better, (laughs) much less like I shouldn't even allow myself to expect better because I don't deserve better, but just like, I don't even know better exists. This is how I think it is. And this is how it's always going to be. So like, I might as well just stick with the one I got. (laughs) And, but then every once in a while you meet someone where like you do have that immediate connection, but it's not necessarily like explosive or like earth shattering or any other negative words we use to describe like what we like ascribe to passion or like saying that this means it's passionate or whatever, or like, this is like, you know, this is a soulmate connection or whatever, the instant recognition of like, this person's going to destroy me or whatever. <laughs> but instead it's like a, a calm familiarity, you know, where you're, you couldn't even decide to be like distant or guarded around the person. Cause they just put you at such ease. There's that word again, that you just like tear down your own walls and just are able to be with them. And And it, it, even though it sounds so simple, it's like, go where people make you happy, like go where you feel loved, go where you feel accepted. Think about our conditioning, like think about the dysfunctional pattern of turning away from those relationships of ease in favor of moving towards those more challenging and complicated and like pain inflicting ones, the hard ones, the difficult ones, the ones that require like the most effort and work to maintain because they're always on the brink of falling apart because they're just not right. They're not good for you and they're just not right. We're conditioned to move in that direction. And whether it's like through societal programming where under capitalism, everything is fucking transactional or if it's through our attachment trauma from our families and like the way that family is difficult because they are people you're not choosing and some people really luck out with their families and some people really don't. And if you, I remember saying about this family member once the first time I cut her off, I cut her off twice the first time and everyone was giving me a hard time about it. And the, the two cutoffs were like 15 years apart or 13 years apart or something. So the first time I was like, I don't like this person. 
if I met this person outside of being related to them, I would not be friends with them. In fact, I would make it my mission in life to avoid ever coming in contact with them. Like that's how much I don't like them and how much they unsettle me. And everyone acted like I was a monster (laughs) for like talking about a a family member in terms of like in the same context or filter of a relationship one might choose. Even though like queer people understand that your chosen family is, is much of the time far more meaningful to you and, and loving to you and safe for you than your family of origin. I have one family member who I consider a friend and like she is on, (laughs) she is on a pedestal for that. You know what I mean? I don't speak to anyone in my family, but this person and, and she is like a bright shining light in my life. She's an amazing human being and I love her so much. And I feel like more than a cousin, like she is one of my best friends, if not like my best, because she's been there as long as I've been alive. And that's hard to beat. (laughs) She's also like the funniest person I've ever met. You know what I mean? It's always been easy with her. We've always been able to be ourselves. We've always been able to talk about anything. We've always been really, um, protective over each other. And we've always understood each other, the way we process emotions, the way we were both, historically the kind of like backbone of our families um the way we dealt with things like we're just very similar and and that familiarity of like I see myself in you and you see yourself in me brought about the ease like there's a lot of other family members that I've known just as long that I never felt that comfortable with I always felt like I had to guard myself or, or just like I wasn't understood or that I was expected to play some role or that everyone thought I was a dork or whatever. But, but with this one cousin, like, even though we, we ebb and flow and we've definitely had our little tiffs throughout our lives, um, the love has always been so immense and so easy. And so, I prioritize like, or I almost, I give more value to the chosen family. Cause obviously I would, my family's terrible and can't foster a real connection. Cause there's a lot of lying and a lot of addiction and a lot of betrayal and a lot of difficult, difficult work. Like it is so much work to be in contact with these people, but with my chosen family, because I've like been so discerning and selective and like careful, I have curated the most amazing group of people (laughs) that could ever exist for me. And it's everywhere I go. It's easy. Everywhere I go, the conversation is just like breathing. Everywhere I go, there's like support and love and cheering each other on. There's like the kind of conversations you have where you feel yourself grow when you're in them Um, and where you feel really seen and not judged, but just sort of like instantly loved because there's that familiarity and the peace and the like slowness and, and just the like love no drama, no trials and tribulations, no like putting each other through the tests (laughs) of like, is this person loyal to me or can I trust this person or any other bullshit that people do to one another instead of just nurturing a real connection. And, um, it's great, <laughs> but again, it, I, the only way I got there, cause I was like the most dysfunctional person, like just so codependent, drawn to the worst possible people surrounded by selfish people, like always, always dealing with someone who was playing games instead of just loving me or whatever. And then being like, why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel unloved? Why do I feel exhausted? Because <laughs> I was working so hard. Um, just teeny tiny changes. I mean, first of all, not being afraid of being alone, not being afraid of putting myself out there, realizing that my soft heart was actually a blessing and that the right people will, will respond in a reciprocal way. Ooh, I had a half a glass of wine earlier at a baby's birthday party. <laughs> And, um, reciprocal was, was a trip and I have to say, um, but <laughs> I just like, 
was alone for a really long time. I had this policy where the first time someone couldn't respect a boundary or tried to manipulate with me, with me with guilt or lied to me or did whatever I was outie. Like I didn't need to hate them. I didn't need to talk shit about them. I didn't need to cut them off these new people that just messed up once, although some I did, some I didn't, but it's just like, Oh, I see you. I see how you're, how you move in the world. And like, I'm not really down with that. And so let's just like, keep it where it's at. Keep it simple. Keep it distant. (laughs) Like you're not going to be one of those people who I choose to have close to me. And I didn't used to be discerning at all. Like the discernment was everything, but it also took forever to hone because I just, I didn't know how to do it. I always loved first and asked questions later. And believe me, that led me to get burned a lot. (laughs) So similar to like executive functioning of like, of, of realizing that, um, it's actually easier to just pick up the sock. It's like, it's actually easier to just do your dishes after dinner rather than let them pile up and pile up and pile up until they're like this big, scary monster of dishes. And, and then it's going to take you like four hours to do them or your house is just going to get more and more disgusting or whatever. And, and then you're upset at yourself. You're beating yourself up. It triggers a shame spiral. So like while you're doing it, you're not having a good time. Like it's just easier to get it to be a part of your routine and just take care of things as they happen. It's like cleaning as you go. When you're young, you hear an adult say you have to clean as you go. And you're like, fuck you. No, I don't. I can do it whenever I want. And also that's stupid advice. And I couldn't possibly and whatever, ego, ego, ego. And then you start to actually do it and you're like, oh, this is way easier because when I'm done, I'm done. I don't have to like stand there washing dishes for 45 minutes. I can just like move on with my day or whatever. Um, Just so much worry is tied up in the work and feeling like things need to be hard. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I used to do this thing where I would literally be in the middle of working on something like in the middle of writing something I needed to be writing or doing my job at the time or, or stretching or just like, I would be like productive. Like I wouldn't be just laying around, but the whole time I was doing it, I would be yelling at myself in my head, like, you should be doing more. You should be moving faster. I have, I can't believe you haven't started this thing yet. Or like, don't forget you have this, this, and this to do, but you probably won't get to it because you're too lazy and stupid. And just like spiral of this barrage of like abusive self-talk. And then one day I was like, wait a second, I'm literally doing the thing that I'm yelling at myself about not doing because it was I was in this place where I was like in resistance to the ease. Like I would be doing something, but it wouldn't feel that effortful because I would be like in the flow state. If you don't know, the flow state is sort of like when you're so present with whatever you're doing that you lose track of time. Like it feels like it's, it's literally flowing from you. Like it feels like if you're writing, you're just transcribing or like, (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. If you're playing music, you're just like, you can't, you couldn't play a wrong note. You know what I mean? In the flow, we all have activities we're attracted to that put us in the flow state. And it's like the ultimate form of meditation because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to try talking about ease (laughs) to, to turn your mind off. It's just, you're so engrossed in what you're doing and having such a good time that, uh, you like, you just find yourself totally immersed in it and the time just goes by and it feels like you're not working, but you actually are doing something. So I guess there was this part of me, like the capitalist program in my brain that, that thought if this is easy, like if I'm like, it almost didn't register as work because I wasn't miserable. (laughs) And And once I caught myself doing that, I was like, what is this? That's crazy to be like yelling at myself for not doing something that I'm doing. Like what, what is that? What cognitive dissonance is like going on in my brain that I'm not registering what I'm doing, that this program or this, um, this like cassette tape of abuse is just playing, but it's wrong. Like, I don't know. It just, it kind of warped my brain for a second to 
to realize that that tape was going on even when I couldn't hear it or acknowledge it. Like how often was I talking to myself like that? Was it just constantly on and I didn't even notice because it was basically white noise and it turns out that was what was going on. And that things around work really triggered that abusive self-talk because it's like, that's the capitalism thing. You know, my whole life, because I, I had like sort of a limited capacity, whether it was from chronic illness or like autism or trauma or whatever, I just had like a limited capacity for all the things that were expected of me, like the school and the clubs and all the socializing and and keeping track of all that while I was doing voice lessons and like, and having a relationship and just like, I was constantly overwhelmed and felt as if I was floundering and I got called lazy a lot and, and school kind of came easy to me. So, but I still worked really hard at it. Um, but anyway, I just like always had this label of like, you're lazy, you're lazy, you're ungrateful, you're unthoughtful, like you're a disappointment basically. And nothing I could do was good enough. So it was so hard. And in a way, like I turned that, um, shit into Shinola or whatever fucking phrase lemon. I always say it backwards lemonade from lemons. I turned those lemons into lemonade. I always say turn the lemonade into lemons. I don't know. Um, but I made it work for me in the sense that I became a very hard worker and like a very motivated person. And I would like rarely quit things. Like I would always finish what I started and it taught me a certain ability to like master things and, and not being naturally good at that many things also gave me that willpower to like, I knew how to learn something. I had the humility to be bad at it first. And I really like practicing and like repetitive play. So, uh, I got a grasp on that pretty early, which has served me very well in my life, but I wish I could have learned that in a more positive way and not such a critical, oppressive sort of way that that really set me up to believe that things had to be difficult and that like life was supposed to be hard and to a certain extent it is like there is a certain amount of suffering that we agree to experience as human beings like our souls when they choose to incarnate they there is like a an understanding that we are going to undergo some suffering but that it's supposed to transform us that it's supposed to it's like part of our journey and it's going to help our souls evolve but the like self-inflicted like human to human bullshit is not natural and the good news is it is transcendable it's just sort of a if you don't like the like battle terminology, like if you don't like it's a battle with yourself, it's a battle with your ego, you could think of it as just like you're reconditioning yourself and you're figuring out how to get control of your ego or make your ego so conscious that it's not able to steer you, that you instead steer it. And this comes you know, this ties into things I've talked about a lot, like divine timing, like having faith, um, like even if it's just faith in yourself and like flowing, surrendering, it's all that stuff over and over again, lather, rinse, repeat. And I know it's easier said than done, but to condition yourself to like normalize ease, it takes a lot of uh, like self-reflection because you have to understand like what have I been taught about life like what have I been taught about ease and difficulty and where do I expect difficulty where do I expect things to be really hard to go back to the like unhealthy relationship example like so many of us think that marriage takes work means that it's supposed to be hard, that you're supposed to, at the end of the day, like not really like each other that much, not enjoy each other, not be able to communicate. It's a lot of like passive aggression or like aggressive aggression. (laughs) There's always running and chasing, like 
you're not on the same page. It's always about fighting and winning, you know, getting your way instead of compromising. I mean, how many relationships do we all witness that are like that? Or have we been in that are like that? Where it's just, it feels like it's always you versus the other person. Like when I used to think or hear marriage takes work, that's what I would think of. And instead, the work it takes is actually much more positive and and on one hand, like easier in the sense that it's more fulfilling. You know, you get to see the mirror of yourself and the other person. You get to tend to your wounds with with support and love and like softness and nurturing and everything we really need to tend to our wounds and not do it on our own. Like it's much less scary with someone else. And also it's easier to do. You can do it a lot faster um, in conjunction with someone else's healing because you can mirror each other and you can feel stuff come up. Um, and it just expedites the process in a lot of ways, but it also it brings you closer together. It allows you to be more vulnerable. It, it enriches your life. Like it, it takes work in the sense that you have to constantly make yourself vulnerable. You have to be honest. You have to talk about your feelings. You have to talk about your wounds. You have to trust each other. Um, you have to make decisions together. You have to be considerate. It's just like, that is work, but all of those words are such positive words. All of the vibes that come from that kind of work are so positive and like good for you. So you see how like, how, (laughs) you know, the conditioning leads us one way. And just like I talked about in the political episode, I just did like, it comes from our own families. It comes from society at large. It comes from like Hollywood type depictions of how relationships work of like the tropes we see in our art over and over again, that we learn how the world is supposed to work from these examples that aren't healthy or aren't good or aren't even honest or true it's just someone else's trauma being put on display and everyone's saying like I don't know it reminds me of of that thing where like when a lot of my trauma was unconscious uh I for example would choose best friends who were like bigger like larger than life like very aggressive people, like emotionally unstable people, really selfish people, really demanding people, narcissistic people, um, people who reminded me of my mom and my grandma. And, and each time it would happen, I'd be like, why is this happening again? Like, do I have a target on my back? Like, what is my deal with these type of people? And what is their deal with me? And when I started to make it conscious that like, oh, I'm, I'm drawn to these people because they're familiar to me in this really harmful way. And, you know, it makes me feel good to like, I know what they expect. Like I know how to make them happy. I've been doing this my whole life, but also I like, I know what to expect from them. Like I don't have to open up. I can like keep my cards close to my chest because they won't actually care that much what's going on with me. <laughs> so that keeps me safe from being vulnerable. And um, and also I can feel like I'm a better person than them because I am and that feels really good to my ego. And, uh, and just that thing of like, why does this keep happening to me? And then you realize like, oh, it keeps happening because I didn't know better because this I thought this was how the world was. I thought that everyone's friendships were like this, that it was always like a nice one and a mean one to put it really simply, like <laughs> to simplify it to its barest bones. Um, I used to think this about relationships too. Like you can never have two nice people in a relationship. There's always a nice one and a mean one. And that's so fucked because the nice one's always going to have a terrible time and the mean one's going to get whatever they want. (laughs) And I'm so glad that the world isn't really that way. It's how it's set up to be. It's how we're conditioned to believe it is. But you can choose something different and that starts with yourself. Really quick, I'm just going to take a break for some ads, but we'll be right back. Bye. Brought to you by the haunted mind of Brit Cannon. A walk-on production. Flight of the Final Girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. 
run. Don't walk. It's flight of the final girl. Anywhere books are sold. So try this little exercise, like whether it's in your journal or just in your head, like try to ask yourself the question, like what in my life feels easy and what in my life feels hard? Go through the people you know, your relationships, go through the activities you do. Just take a little bit of an inventory of like what is easy and what is hard. And then you need to dive a little deeper and ask yourself what makes it easy and what makes it hard. Because sometimes difficulty is an indicator of like you have some resistance to it or, or there's like some blocks, some emotional blocks or trauma in your way to doing that thing. But even that, like if it's in the difficulty category, it might mean you're not ready for it yet. Like the timing isn't right yet. And there's a step prior to that step that will feel, feel easier. And that when you overcome that, the step you ultimately want to take will be easier as well. This is like... <laughs> such a big thing. I've done this over and over in my life and it really, really works. Um, this reminds me of thinking about, um, like the process of writing and then sending it to publications to see if they want to publish it and getting rejected a lot. And I mean, it fucking hurts to get rejected in general, but like to get rejected professionally is, really hard because you don't always hear like what they didn't like. It's not very constructive. So you don't know how to improve upon it. You're just like, should I quit? (laughs) Am I a fraud? And, um, oh my gosh, it used to send me into a tailspin like weeks at a time. I'd be so depressed and I'd be thinking about quitting and, and it would trigger, like I noticed after a while that it would trigger like my familial rejection and abandonment issues. Like it would spiral out into, into not even just professional areas. And and then I realized like, oh, this is what it's really about. It's just the, the feeling of rejection reminds me of my first rejection, which is like the hardest one of your life. And, and that's why it's so hard for me to deal with. And so instead of just continuing to submit and like do that spiral over and over and over again and do the like desensitization way, I decided to take a step back and, and think like maybe instead of submitting right now, what I need to be doing is like tending to my rejection wounds. You know, I need to like analyze that, spend some time thinking about where it comes from, spend some time figuring out how I can self-soothe myself through that spiral. <laughs> how can I make this easier? You know, how can I make this less heavy? How can I make it so I can t- continue doing this? without having to get to that place of like, should I quit? How can I work on my confidence? How can I work on my actual writing? You know, what do I need to do to make that better um, and more <laughs> more publishable? Or just like trust that the healing will lead me to a place where my work is more elevated or whatever. And the breaking it down to like really like so small of steps that they might not even count as steps and really taking it, taking it introspective, you know, taking it deep within myself. And I'm not saying I'm all the way there yet. I'm still working on it, but like, look how much I put myself out there. Like it's, I have seen the growth within myself, um, even if it hasn't, (laughs) hasn't gotten to the level of like putting work out there knowing it could be shot down or rejected. But I know when I'm ready and I know when I'm not. And I also might not even be interested in that path anymore because I could just publish stuff myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not going to reject myself. Um, But there's also like things like that, like maybe the tried and true and tested path, maybe the way it's always been done and the way everyone does it, maybe that doesn't feel easy to you. I feel that way about like day job work, like working in an office or like having a traditional career is really hard for me. It's not, maybe not as hard for neurotypical people, but I have a hard time in those kinds of forced, intimate social situations and I don't fare too well. Like people don't tend to like me. I sometimes get bullied. Um, I just, I have this thing where I just want to like go to work, do my job, 
go home, get paid, do it all over again. Like, I don't want to be friends with my coworkers. I don't want to like get all enmeshed and in each other's business. I just really like clear, defined boundaries. And people tend to take a lot of offense to that. So I've like come to the conclusion that I need somewhat more of an alternative lifestyle, like um, work that allows me to be alone a lot of the time, like work that I can um, make my own little routines and schedules within the framework of the job, like things that involve a lot of nurturing and caretaking because that's what I happen to be really good at. I love to clean. (laughs) Like that kind of stuff is really good for my mental health and it's really easy for me. Childcare is really easy for me. It's not easy for everyone, but it's really easy for me. So what's wrong with leaning into it? Like if I take the capitalist notions of like what's a real job or or really worry about the future because it's not a it's not like a future-proof career choice or whatever but when I can just like be present it's like this is actually perfect for me and it feels really easy right now it might not always but right now it feels right and just trusting that feeling I know this is easier said than done, but if you start with those like lists of like, what in my life is easy? What in my life is hard? If you start like having relationships fall in the easy or difficult columns, like ask yourself why, what makes this one feel easy and what makes this one feel difficult? Who do these people remind me of from my family or what situations do they bring up when I think about them? How do they make me feel? You know, if you, if you throw around words like insecure or abandoned or like, I can't be myself, like uncomfortable in my own skin or always on the defense or whatever, or if it's like, I feel really comfortable, I feel really soft, I feel vulnerable, I feel seen and, and like dive deep into those questions, like those why questions get to the bottom of of the roots of these things. Sometimes it's not the other person's problem. Sometimes it's just yours. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes you need to release the difficult relationships. Sometimes they're work onable. Sometimes you work on them for a half a decade and then you realize, nope, I need to walk away. (laughs) But that goes back to the bad relationship thing, which is that, you know, I heard that from someone as I was trying to extricate myself from like, a long-term like unrequited situation that I was having a really hard time pulling away from because at that time in my life it would have meant completely changing everything you know (laughs) like like blowing my life up and starting over completely and I just it was that felt so daunting and hard and honestly impossible like I didn't even consider that as an option because I just couldn't wrap my head around that, didn't know where to start. Like it just seemed like a terrible decision. And so when I heard like, you know, when you, when it's time to let something go, it's actually really easy. And I was like, bull fucking shit, dude. Like no way that's how it works. Like either it has to be that you just like grit your teeth and muscle through it, no matter how hard it hurts or like how hard it is. And you just like commit to it and do it cold turkey or whatever. Or it's just like, it'll never be easy and there'll never be a good time. And it's, and it's always going to suck. And like, maybe I won't be brave enough to do it or whatever. And I'm just going to have to continue suffering and figure out how to do that. (laughs) And then the, the, I don't know, the winds of change blew in and I made one little choice after another, one little change after another until that big change became not only easy, but just like perfect. Like it was the right time. It was the easiest it it ever was. I was like, didn't shed a single tear over it. I was just like, my life is cleansed. (laughs) I was ready to do it. And it was fucking easy. Again, it's not always the case. Um, And if a situation is dangerous, like whether it's hard or easy, get out of it if you can. Um, And sometimes it's hard in the sense that you're kind of addicted to the person or addicted to the trauma or addicted to the trauma bond or whatever. And that can feel really hard because you can literally go through withdrawals. Like even if you're the one who ends it, you can have this thing happen called abandonment melange where like it causes your abandonment issues to flare up 
even if you're the one who chose to leave. And that melange can like cause you to go back, you know? So there are hard moments. It's not to say it's all easy if it's the right time. It's just to say that like, if you're engaging with your intuition, if you're teaching yourself how to flow towards ease, how to live in a life that's more like <laughs> easeful, you know, um, and, and, and move away from difficulty and move away from like hardness or, or like closed offness or the, or situations where you need to shut your emotions down. Cause that's the only way you can exist in them or where you're doing so much work just to protect yourself and your energy that you feel like you can't relax. Like if you can drift away from those things and listen to your intuition and move more towards things that bring you joy, then you're in a different headspace and, and things do become easier. Like if you can learn to start prioritizing yourself and your own mental health and your own happiness and your own peace, then those decisions are left difficult or less difficult because you know, like that you can tell when this is what's best for you. And it doesn't matter as much how people take it or like, or at what cost, you know, um, not in a, an overwhelmingly selfish or destructive way, but in a way that's just sort of like, if it's what's best for me and you say you love me and you are in resistance to what's best for me, like we need to think about that. Because <laughs> um, love is, is, is more about like, I want what's best for you, even if it, it even if it's not that great for me. Um, Cause I expect the same thing. Like when I go to do what's best for me, I expect support <laughs> and you know, not to say you can't consider each other or like that things, there can't be compromise or whatever. It's just to say that you aren't in that space of self-sacrificing all the time and the people around you don't expect self-sacrifice from you because they're good. You know, they're taking care of themselves. And so none of that is necessary and it just becomes a lot easier. <laughs> uh, think about hobbies that bring you joy or like creative pursuits or careers or like, like, um, pastimes, you know, shows. If you're someone who's like really into true crime, I can guarantee you that that's not an easeful thing. Like you're traumatizing yourself not to like don't at me. Like, I'm not trying to be controversial, but just like, again, investigate why, like, why would I be interested in something that kind of makes me paranoid and scared and, and makes me view the world as an unsafe place and, uh, makes me feel like women are born to be victimized or whatever. Um, I don't know. Just like the things that light you up, the things that make you feel healed or healing, the things that, uh, put you in a higher vibrational space, like a place where you can be more intuitive, where you can prioritize your self-love, where you feel like you're growing, where, um, I don't know, you can just, once you start paying attention to it, you can feel when your vibe is off and you can feel when it's on. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, it's almost like you click into this place where, everything is easy. And it's not to say there aren't challenges. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like joyful. Like there's just, just a lot more happiness, a lot more inner peace, a lot less stress. There's a lot less like hemming and hawing and <laughs> procrastinating and a lot more, and it's not to say that it's a hundred percent of the time, like you're perfect. It's not about that because perfect is hard. Perfect is not easy. What's easy is just being like just being and just being yourself, relaxing in the present moment, being as right here right now as you can be going into that space with gratitude and softness and vulnerability. Um, <laughs> prioritizing making real connections, prioritizing bringing light to every situation you're in, 
Um, and listening to your body, which is your psychic antenna, you know, your body is the tuning fork that connects to the universe and your body tells you like when you're around someone and your, your stomach churns or like you're around someone and you immediately feel exhausted or you're doing your job and (laughs) on the way into the office every day, you're literally crying because of how much you don't want to go there. Like these are all signs of, of where the difficulty is and like where the ease is. If you start listening to your body and how it reacts to the situations and the people and the activities you do, (laughs) you can tell a lot, like you can get a lot of guidance from the physical response you have to certain things. And and it's, it's hard to make these decisions because they, you know, your intuition is by nature, like not that logical. You're following your intuition can make you seem a little <laughs> um, eccentric or like nonsensical. You know, if you like, you might lose touch with certain activities that you always thought you loved and that uh, everyone you're close with, like thinks you love and expects you to love. It might, you might, you know, end a relationship that people thought would last forever. You might change careers and people can't really wrap their heads around it. You know what I mean? Your intuition is, um, is always trying to lead you to your best self and your best path, but it isn't always a straight line and it, it isn't always in alignment with the expectations of the white supremacist capitalist is heteropatriarchy because all of that stuff is human made. That has nothing to do with our souls. It has nothing to do with our spirituality. It has nothing to do with our authenticity. Um, and the more in touch with your intuition you get, the less those programs work on you, which is why this kind of work is so dangerous to those oppressive systems that be, because If you're in that space of flow, if you're in the space of intuition, if you're in, if you're operating from a place of ease, you may prioritize rest. Like you'll be so confident and happy with yourself that you won't need to consume the things that we like feel like we need to consume to make ourselves more beautiful or palatable or smarter or more interesting or whatever. Like nobody would need a Bugatti if they were... (laughs) Do I sound like a youth minister? No one would need a Bugatti, kids, if you were down with the Lord. Um, (laughs) It's just true. Like, if we can be content with ourselves, we don't need that much. And that's dangerous to consumerism. Like, capitalism needs us to be these constantly um, serotonin or dopamine seeking, (laughs) like, like buying droids, you know, it it wants our minds and our hearts off and our wallets open and to be engaging with the addictions of the algorithms and engaging with the addictions of attention and, and mindless consumption. And that's a big part of why we are where we are and why life is currently so hard. Like, think about even politically, like what is easy and what is difficult? Like difficult is everything. The second you're born, you start owing some motherfucker money. Like (laughs) that is difficult. That is out of alignment with the way we should be living. The earth is free. The earth gives us every single thing we need to survive. And yet (laughs) we charge people for water and shelter and power and like and we uh rapidly destroy our own home which is the only home we have in order to consume more and keep consuming at this dangerous and unsustainable level like that's hard easy easy is everybody having everything they need easy is not having to spend your entire life working that you have like time off time for yourself time for hobbies time for friends time for travel um time to take care of yourself time for doctor's appointments which is also something that's free you know that's easy (laughs) and if we all oriented ourselves to a life of ease like I think those types of big systemic changes would feel a lot more doable. It wouldn't seem like you're 
living in a pipe dream world <laughs> to believe these things are possible and would be good for us and are achievable. It's just like those tiny changes. You know, when I was looking at that dirty sock on the floor for months at a time, there was nowhere in my mind where I thought I could just go pick that up right now and put it away. You know, it was not even an option to me or being stuck in a bad relationship that's literally sucking the life out of me. So depressed all the time, feeling so triggered and abandoned all the time. It didn't even occur to me. Like, just walk away. There's someone in the world who will make this easy for you. You know, (laughs) just like impossible. And that's what we have to overcome. And we do that by tiny, tiny little internal changes by asking ourselves the right questions by training ourselves to look for the ease to move toward the ease um to lean into the ease and to like become ease in the practice of moving towards that you know becoming the kind of person that doesn't need to make life hard for people becoming the kind of person who doesn't feel that schadenfreude feeling of like feeling joy when someone else is suffering the kind of person who can be happy for others the kind of person who who doesn't who isn't reactionary but instead like can respond from a place of balance because they are in the present moment like it's so beautiful in the life of ease it's like a jimmy buffett song (laughs) it's like it's like three little birds you know what i mean the bob marley song i could name a a jimmy buffett song like margaritaville or cheeseburger in paradise or pirate looks at 40 or come monday (laughs) um it's like peace and love baby (laughs) it's uh it's good. It's worth the work. The work won't become like, it won't stay hard forever. It feels hard at first because it's just like, whoa, I have to make a lot of changes. And that feels like a lot, but, but if you can take these little steps, if you can do that little exercise where you just take the inventory, you'll start to see, you'll start to see how, like, which list is longer is the difficult list longer or is the, is the easy list longer. And if you, if you see like how many things are hard in your life, at the very least, you could give yourself some grace. Like no wonder I'm tired all the time. No wonder I feel depressed. No wonder I feel burnt out or depleted. Like look at all the hard things I have in my life right now. And maybe I could start adding some easier things And that will like help balance me out. You know, it's just one little step in the direction of ease. And, and I promise you things will get better. I promise you life can be more than just suffering. It can be joy and rich experience and honest to goodness, love and, and community and vulnerability and creativity and the flow. And the flow is like, the greatest feeling in the world because it's just when you're at your peak like peak soul performance and peak human performance like perfectly in balance working together that's where you can get messages from the universe about where you are and where you're heading it's where you can connect with yourself it's where you can really explore like your gifts and purpose here on the planet it's the secret to everything is that flow state and um and it's worth the effort to get there i promise you it is the walk on podcast is a production of walk on productions it is written recorded hosted produced and marketed by yours truly (laughs) That's right, folks. It's a one-person dog and pony show. If you'd like to help keep us afloat, you can donate on our anchor.fm page. That's anchor.fm backslash Brit Cannon. You can also go to my website, BritCannon.me, to access lots of other things like the blog that goes along with this podcast, my two YouTube channels, the Walk On Podcast YouTube channel, and my personal YouTube channel that features my poetry and music. You can access the album Shiny Silver Snakes that I made with my good friend Lokomoko. You can find Mantra, the EP that Walk On, the theme song to this podcast, is part of. 
And you can find Flight of the Final Girl, which is my debut poetry collection. There's also merch, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, lots of other stuff with the swears on them. (laughs) There are photos, videos, and links to all of the services I offer, including tarot readings, astrology readings, mentorship services, if you'd like some one-on-one consultations outside of the realm of tarot and astrology. And you can also access my self-love course, which is a 30-day journal-centered self-love course that is designed to help you build a deeper friendship and more loving relationship with yourself. There are journal prompts, guided meditations, self-care rituals, letter writing assignments, and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Until next time. Bye.